mentality wise and you know they're going with them to every ball there. This is Come On Kinds with Martin Quilty and Onya Fahmi. Hello everyone, welcome once again into the KCLR studios here in KCLR for Come On Kind. This is season five, episode number four, and I am going all the way across the Atlantic to join two lovely ladies who is part of the GEA and the Camogie community over in the United States. And I'm delighted to be joined by Sandra Holland and Emily Barno, who joined us a few weeks ago talking about the World Games that was being held in Derry, and they're now going to chat to us about the U. USGAA finals that was held a couple of weeks ago in Denver. Sandra and Emily, good evening or good afternoon where you're from. How are you all doing today? Doing well, how are you? <laughs> well, I'm all good now because everything seems to be working and I can hear Sandra perfect, I can hear Emily perfect. So, Sandra, I'm going to start with you as always because the USGAA finals are a big deal. Obviously, there was officials from Munster GAA out because you're partnered with them. You obviously had the Duran of Uncommon Camogie to Hilda Breslin out with you as well and tell us about the day because it looked like this. there was lots of people lots of fun had but more importantly plenty of Camogie played as well uh, uh, good evening, Martin. Uh, yes, it is afternoon here. Thank you so much for having us again. Uh, it's, it's always a pleasure and it's always great to be talking about uh, Camogie in the United States. Yes, it was a fantastic weekend, albeit it was a hot weekend. It was in the 90s throughout the whole weekend, which is probably uh, well into the 30s um, with regards to temperature. But it didn't stop... Um, Stop the games going on. We had um, over 3,000 players from all over the country, 120 teams, and with that, over 100 games. We had 19 Camogie teams uh, participate this year in senior, intermediate, junior A, and junior B. Um, and that equated to 16 um, Camogie teams, uh, Camogie games um, throughout the weekend. So we started off on the Friday with uh, quarterfinals and then if you got through then you were straight through to the semis which was on the following day and then Sunday then is when we had all the finals. Um, and yeah, so we, it was just uh, unbelievable. It's all like the, the atmosphere of something like this is unbelievable because you know again when you have that many people um, in one spot and the USGA Southwest Division did such an amazing job they would have been the host division and then Denver being the host um, they have their own um, GEA club and it's called Denver Gales and they would have been the host um, club um, there and so they worked together in partnership uh, along with the USGA to, to make it a success for everybody make sure that it's safe and you know of course with that a lot of sponsorship uh, to run something this big yes there was plenty of GA uh, or plenty of camogie um, shall I say um, and with that senior um, we had uh, I think it was six, five or six teams and Lakela um, out of Toronto Canada actually won the senior this year in the intermediate then Twin Cities um, won the um, and they would be the um, the heartland right Emily correct me if I'm wrong on that and then Junior A yep, then was San Diego Yes, <laughs> uh, Junior A then San Diego was there. With um, they won that. Nafina is the name of that club, and then 
uh, Junior B, who you're joined on the call by one of their uh, players, um, Nalekra um, out of Pittsburgh won the Junior B, and that uh, Martin would be considered the um, the development grade. Emily, I'm going and, to. Uh, I'm just going to stop Sandra there for one sec. I'm going to come back to Sandra again, obviously, in a minute, because that yeah. sounds like it's yeah. a right logistical nightmare to try and get everybody involved with camogie matches, hurling, Gaelic football, etc. But Emily, you are one of the participants in the USGAA finals, and you are playing with a team. And we did talk to you when you were over with the World Games. So, how different is the USGAA and the World Games, or is there some sort of similarity between the two? I think the the big similarity is definitely the enthusiasm. You can tell whether it be at the World Games or on the uh, kind of the national stage, like on the, within the, the North American finals, everyone who's at this event is ecstatic to be there. They love the game. They love being involved in the in the community. Um, so I think that definitely is something that that is that is very very similar between both events. Um, and I think uh, the difference between worlds and then when you're looking at things, at least from where I was playing. Um, on the national stages, the team I played with with Worlds and a lot of the folks who were playing at Worlds have, have a couple years of experience underneath their belt, right? They know the game, they're familiar with the game, so it's a different different type of play, different type of experience. Um, but the Nationals experiences is equally exciting because now it is folks who are not only have a couple years of years of experience in play, but in the, in the Junior B division especially, some folks have just heard about the game within the past year or two, right? So you have these players who are still very very new to the community and this might be their first or second nationals and being able to see those players one not only experience it on the field with with different team successes and different team um, team and game play um, but also being able to meet people from other clubs from across the country and really get that experience of uh, what the GA is at least on the uh, on the United States side it's uh, it's pretty remarkable it's a really really great experience so I suppose from our point of view over here in Ireland this is a bit like ye taking part in a Leinster competition with your club and your club progressed throughout uh, the games that you have during the day albeit years is one day because obviously you can't have uh, a situation where you're going to be travelling four or five hours to different uh, clubs around the USA every weekend trying to play games so it all comes under the one umbrella under the one day so you progress through the day obviously nicely you progress to your quarterfinals your semifinals and finals so for ye the USGAA finals is a bit like your provincials over here with the likes of your club progressing through the the county you win your county you then go on and represent your club at province level and all the way to the all Ireland level would that be fair to say? Yes that would, would be similar uh, the way we yeah. go on Emily yeah, I'll leave you answer States, it's separated up by um, by division so like I know for my um, we're from the Midwest division um, uh, Sandra would be down from the southeast so we have different divisions across the country so depending on the, the division that you're in, you would have to play qualifying matches to be able to, to represent your division at the national stage. So, And obviously it's a big ordeal because we know that you're one of the homegrown players as well over in your uh, your home club, I think it's Pittsburgh. Um, Sandra was saying it there as well. So obviously it's nice to be able to play with the girls and you probably have a few more homegrown players as well that maybe are not used to the sport of camogie but they've seen some of their friends playing it. They want to get involved in it. They take it up and obviously they're starting to enjoy it then as well. 
fun. Exactly. No, we have some, uh, our team in particular, I, I love my Camogie team and every single person who's involved. And there's such an enthusiasm and excitement behind it and being able to talk to friends or people from school or people in the community. And we see more and more folks come out to try the game and seeing that will accumulate and having folks on the field for final matches is really, really incredible. It certainly is. Sandra, I'll come back to you because you were just mentioning sponsorship and being a Glenmore woman, you know exactly what it's like in a, a small rural club trying to keep sponsorship coming in to keep the teams playing and obviously here on Come On Kind we're still on the hunt looking for a sponsor for our team of the year event as well so we know what it's like to try and get sponsorship but how hard or difficult is it to get sponsorship for the USGAA finals over there? Yeah, so it takes it again. It all comes down to volunteering and volunteers, and then just trying to sell and explain what we're doing and why. Why would anyone want to put money towards um, these sports? Um, so the biggest thing that we sell is the community, the community of games, community of being in a club, and um, you know, and, and 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 everything that surrounds it, um, with regards to health and fitness, and you know, being part of a, a team is is massive. And then you know, just all the good that it brings and all the joy that it brings to people. It's it's a hard it's a hard sell. It's hard to get the sponsorship, but once we do get sponsorship, they tend to kind of stay with us, and and we're all forever grateful it takes a tremendous amount of fundraising as well and raffles so we do an awful lot of raffling raffles just like you would at home with regards to like um We'll say, for example, the, you know, those golf outings or um, we'll, we'll, sometimes we'll offer a trip home to Ireland. And so, you know, it, it definitely is between sponsorship and also uh, doing a lot of fundraising. A lot of stuff goes on behind the scenes. I suppose it's amazing, too, when you have the similarity of both Ireland and the USA and you're still over there and you're still trying to fundraise and get the money together to get the teams in. It's amazing that people would say you go across the water and America are known for their wealth and you know the whole lot but you're still out there slogging away with the raffles and the same as every club here in Ireland trying to bring in the the few bucks to keep the the sport of camogie going so it's amazing to actually see that you might be a couple of thousand miles away but the the similarities are so alike between the, the sport in the USA and here in Ireland. Absolutely. And, you know, as I said, it's all, you know, you know yourself, it's all volunteer based and, um, you know, you, you can't thank enough the amount of people that are involved and what they do for for us and for our teams, our clubs, our coaches, everything across the board. It's, it's fantastic. And only when you get to be on the, in the big stage, like I was helping with managing our hurling team in, in, um, in Denver and we actually got to the finals, we lost the finals, but, you know, when you see it from that perspective of what has gone on, the, the extent of what has happened to get to something like this and to put on something like this, it, it's just amazing to see. And, you know, and, and it's, you know, it's all down to volunteers and, and, and also just making sure that they're thanked and, you know, appreciated in every way. Because sometimes that can get overlooked. But, you know, we try to do our best in making sure that everyone is, um, you know, we're, we're grateful for everything that everyone does. Emily, I'll bring it back to you. I suppose that's the end of the USGA finals. Where does yourself and your team go till the end of the year? Or is that it now in terms of camogie action for yourselves? 
So thankfully, everyone on the team still has that that drive and that momentum that we had from the summer. We we do try to continue that into the fall. Um, we do a, a pub league um, kind of coinciding with our men's um, men's uh, hurling team, um, and that's due to start in a couple of weeks. So we will have once a week um, getting together and playing some some games um, throughout the fall and uh, basically until the weather starts to turn sour. Um, but honestly, in the, in the winter months, I know last year we were we rented an indoor space and had trainings um, starting in January. So it's um it's great, even though we're not in the formal season, people still want to keep up with their skills and keep up with their fitness, and they're already thinking about um, how do we set ourselves up for success for next year. So yeah, a couple couple weeks of respite, and then we get back um back in the wagon in in, uh, in a week or two. So. Well, I think we could all do it a couple of weeks of rest by the time the season is finished but we're all raring to go then as well at the start of the season it's most enjoyable and sure you obviously miss meeting up with the friends and having the crack with the rest of the teammates as well so it certainly brings that aspect to it Sandra I suppose I'm going to ask you the same question as well because obviously you're involved with the administration end of things you were over with ourselves with the Congress uh, last April as well so where does the sport go from here on in are you planning for 2024 already or what's the next big event coming up so they um, yeah we would be now there are um, some ongoing tournaments that would be happening around the country and which is kind of great because not everyone goes to nationals not everyone is ready for the nationals or may, may have qualified so they do, we do run things like seven tournaments and nine tournaments 9v9 tournaments around the country so we'd be watching out for that so part of our job would be to uh, promote some of these events um, and then we were um, you know Emily who's also on the USGA development committee we myself Frankie Sharon um, who's from Wexford Frankie's from Clare and then um, we have another lady out in, in San Francisco and McKiernan and so we worked together on maybe putting out something off season like a, a webinar we did one earlier the, before the season another webinar just to kind of touch base get players on the uh, on the lines to kind of talk to us at questions maybe we can offer some more advice about what to do off season to keep in shape things like that and and um so yeah we we're, we always want to stay engaged you can't with the way it is here you just don't want to be you know out of the picture for too long you want to kind of stay always stay engaged whether it's on a social media presence or sending out emails or trying to create some sort of webinar as you know because we're all so far away geographically we want to be able to be all in one you know one space and the only way to do that right now is through webinars um, talking about webinars and putting plans in place we're obviously doing the team of the year this year because the results are flying in from the matches uh, tonight already and stay tuned because we're going to be bringing you all of those games obviously Sandra's club in Glenmore is not actually playing Lisdowney until the weekend coming so we can't bring her that result but no doubt she'll be keeping an eye on all of the social media channels because uh, I think your niece is actually does the social media channels in Glenmore um, Amy and she's very very she good does. at it as well yeah so fair play to her on that but it would be nice in the long term plans like the, the All-Stars get 
to go on an all-star trip wouldn't it be nice if come on kind and USGAA was able to partner up with one another and bring a 15 player uh, all-star team out to play an all-star team from the USGAA teams from around as well and you know you never know we can dream big Sandra and maybe it might happen in a few years time it certainly would be great to see if we could uh, put plans in place for that but like you say you'd want some backing and a a big banker or something to come behind us uh, on that front but look there's certainly lots of great one of the things that we've been talking about yeah one of the things that we've been um, you know the um, USGA now I mean you can see that 70% 70% of the of the Ameri- of of players now are like Emily homegrown Americans and you know I could see that Hilda um, Breslin was so impressed with everybody when she was here and you know for you know for her to even just I you know could even just to quote her she said how proud she was to see all those girls out in that heat um, and just being so enthusiastic and, and just having just having so much fun and loving and participating. But with that, we have the men's football team that are actually going to be sending, um, entering into the All-Ireland Championship next year in junior. And um, they're, all, they're already now scouting for players to be on, um, to be on that part of that panel to be entering in. And I'd love to see that one day with Camogie. You know, like you know, put together some sort of USGA team to maybe Emily will be on it, and we can send that team to enter into our Ireland Championship. Yeah, wouldn't that be brilliant? You see, there's the foresight of people, and we love to see it as well with different things coming about. Emily, keep up the good fight. Uh, I know you enjoy the sport. I love talking to the two of you because your enthusiasm for the sport alone. You're always so bubbly, and you enjoy playing the sport. And obviously, you love playing uh, with your teammates and getting to go around to different places and play different teams as well so it's always great having a chat with Emily and with Sandra so Emily keep up the, the sport well done on promoting it um, no doubt we'll uh, we'll be chatting to you again in the near future when some of the events are coming up and Sandra as always great work being done over there in USGA um, between Camogie ladies football uh, hurling uh, Gaelic football etc um, and everyone and like you say the volunteers and that, that does all the work in the background as well well done to each and every one of you uh, thanks for joining me here uh, on Come On Kind this evening enjoy the rest of your bank holiday over in America because I know it is a bank holiday over there and I appreciate your patience and time with me this evening here um, and enjoy the rest of your week and thanks a million for joining me here this evening again yes thank you of so course, much thank you for um, having us Martin <laughs> You're more than welcome. Sandra and Emily, take care and we'll chat to you again soon. Bye now. Welcome back to part two of Come On Kind here from the KCLR studios with myself, Martin Quilty. And I'm delighted to be joined by Anya Farrell, who was out at some of the matches tonight in the senior, the intermediate and the junior grade. We're going to kick right into action and go back to last Thursday night's game between St. Clair's and Dane's Fourth. You did mention that St. Clair's was going to win this one and they did win it too. 11 to 10 points on you you got it spot on yeah really good result there for St. Clair's I think 
memory serves me right, that's three from three now for them. That is spot on, yeah, yes. Three from three, like so that's a really, really good result for them. And you know, they'll be very happy now looking forward to a league semi-final and championship uh, quarter final. And by all means, everything seems to be going really, really well with um down in St. Clair's, unfortunately for Dixborough or for sorry, for Danes Fort. That's their third defeat on the trot, I suppose, in the yep. league stages. So I suppose it's just going to be about rebuilding and regrouping themselves over the coming weeks to get themselves ready for a championship round one game. It certainly is. Well, there was lots of games that was on at the weekend, including Friday night, one between yourself and Hilltown. I know you're putting your head in your hands there, but um, sure. Look, things happen and the whole lot. But uh, let's go back to Friday night's results. 120 to 17. Not too bad. I mean, I heard you had chances. Yeah, like we, we certainly did, I suppose. Like, you know, to be fair, we definitely started off very, we started off the game very well. And like, like, you know, I suppose for Tullerone, we certainly wanted to kind of, you know, make the the wrongs that we had done the previous week against Young Ireland's. We just kind of wanted, to, you know, to prove to ourselves that, you know, we weren't as bad as we had performed in that game. And we certainly came out of the blocks flying and, you know, we had notched up two scores, you know, in, in the first couple of minutes of the game. And, you know, then we, we just kind of slowly let Piltown, I suppose, creep back in into the game and when you look at it Sophie Holden um, corner forward she was excellent she was absolutely fantastic I must say at the weekend um, really really good um, and she just like you know she, everything was just our Piltown knew how to deliver a ball into her everything was going in nice and low into her because she's quite a, she's quite a small girl as well so everything was going in nice and low to her bounced into her hands straight in front of her everything was very very well positioned with them I suppose when you kind of look at Piltown and you look really at their spine there you know Lauren Norris was playing Fullback Kellyanne Doyle was playing, um, in, was playing centre back, and you had Aoife Doyle was wing forward. Katie Powers in around the full forward line, but I suppose you know she was kind of drifting in and out. Um, so yeah, they really have some really good players. They're they're Piltown are a good team, but you know I think from Tullerone we were certainly a lot more happier with our performance than we were. You know we at least you know we got a goal in the second half, and that kind of brought a bit of life back into the game but I suppose it was the points that Piltown were constantly plucking away at I have to mention Jess Cuddy for Tullerone I thought she was absolutely outstanding she really really was she had a tough uh, tough task in her hands marking Katie Power and you know I suppose Katie's experience she just poked the ball and she hand passed it straight to Aoife Doyle who was like a steam engine coming through the centre there and you know that's where a lot of their points or Piltown's points actually came from but Jess to me she was absolutely phenom- phenomenal and Ellie Holland as well was really really good in goal for Tullerone but would you believe it my spy that was out on the day actually commented and I don't know whether you'd agree with them or not that the team that finished your match the other evening looked like your best team I don't know it's hard to I don't know it's hard to to maybe I don't know it, that's a hard I suppose it was kind of maybe fresh legs going in that I suppose kind of maybe gave everyone a bit of a lift really um, you know Ema Lanigan had to come off just before half time she had a dead leg and she would have been a big loss to us um, but I suppose like we're the lads are think are just kind of get to know maybe a few positions for the players there's been a lot of changes I suppose from the last game and the game previous to that and you know we're certainly trying out a lot of things and you know only time will tell the championship is just around the corner and I suppose that's where we'll be kind of aiming for our best 15 to be out it certainly is well I I mean tonight's games is really after putting the cat among the pages because trying to get all the results collated and everything and put uh, together uh, which it's not going to be possible the way 
way things are like to put the tables and that to, to have them up to date but look we'll give the results anyway to what we have um, there was supposed to be a couple of junior games that was on the weekend uh, the John Locks Bennett's Bridge Pilltown game is actually moved um, that's postponed that's going ahead on this Friday night coming I think it is but we'll get back to that one the Roar and the Sea Greg Nirmana that one was postponed due to a bereavement uh, down in the Roar and the at the weekend so that one uh, is being rescheduled but we did have Clara and Winegab taking place on Saturday mm-hmm. Winegab winning this one 2.15 to 3 points now I have to co- and I'm not giving out about teams here but I have to commend the two teams because there was so much work about Electric Picnic and not having players uh, available etc and yet this game went ahead at half past four on Saturday evening and it was won by Winegap so fair play to the, the two clubs oh, for six, playing half sorry half six yeah. um, fair play to the two clubs for getting it done but Winegap coming away comfortable winners certainly did I actually went out to this game because I was on at a lovely time I must say um, you mean Timmy you didn't go to Electric Picnic I did not no way oh, no not at all couldn't be dealing with that oh I couldn't think of anything worse um, yeah went out to the wine gap and Clara game um, wine gap are strong very very strong very very physical team tough um, I will say though Clara very very young very very young team I think they've a lot of they're probably going through a transition I would imagine this year compared to it's, you know I suppose when you look at the the wealth of experience of players that they've lost um, from last year this is about you know I suppose getting the younger girls in and do you know what they stood up to the challenge you know maybe the scoreboard didn't reflect it as much but they certainly you know they certainly put in a good shift there and I'm sure listen they are going to be disappointed but I think when you're looking at the likes of Wine Gap there you know Denise Gull she scored five points three or two from freeze two from play and a point from penalty Molly Walsh at centre forward was excellent I thought she scored three points from play she was very very good um, Natalia Jackson um, two points from the middle of the field she was phenomenal she was constantly running like it's it was a massive pairing herself and Denise Gall in at midfield and it kind of really kind of set the tone as to where Winegap's mind frame is this year they mean business uh, Michaela Keneally got a point um, just steamrolled through up through the middle of the field and it was excellent it was a brilliant brilliant point playing that centre back and by God does she slot in there nicely she's I've always said it about her she's just a hurler she's a typical hurler there's just such toughness in her she's well able to read the ball well catch the ball out of the air and she's got a serious clearance on her she was excellent Santi Jackson got in with a point and then they had uh, substitute number 17 came in she got a goal I don't have her name but yeah like I have to say Wine Gap Wine Gap looked like a very well oiled machine at the weekend and I think they're really going to be putting their hand up um, in the latter stages of the championship if they keep going Number 17 for who? Wine Gap Was Megan Keneally Megan Keneally well she came in and she got the goal um, for she got she came in and she got a, yeah she got a goal for um, Wine. for Wine Gap and I don't it's actually, actually great when the referees send on the team sheet so we know who the people are yeah and there's another girl number 15 Megan or Kira is her name oh hang on now because uh, uh, Paddy sent me on them ones number 15 for Wine Gap is that what you said to me yeah uh, let's see who 15 is 15 is actually Kira O'Shea Kira O'Shea got a goal and two points 
so some and some really really good work there as well yeah like I must say I was very impressed uh, Gillian Castle I thought had a really really good game for Wine Gap as well um, Quivo Shea worked hard but for me I think Natalia Jackson was probably their stem- Natalia and Michaela and Molly Walsh were probably their standout players um, very very good worked extremely hard let's talk about Clara for a second because while it might look that scoring only three points in a game uh, you know you didn't perform very well but in fairness to Clara you know we've said it before they are missing serious players mm. like from their team and they never gave up like no. they fought until the final whistle even with the scoreline the way it was and that's char- character for the, the team and testament I suppose to the team management as well that the players just didn't give up no it really was like and I suppose when you kind of look at them um, when you look when they came out in the second half I suppose listen if it's any consolation Wine Gap scored a goal and five points in the second half Clara had uh, Clara had they scored they only scored the point in the second half but they had five whites they were putting an awful lot of pressure on whereas you look at Wine Gap they had four whites throughout the whole game they had only one white in the second half but that was just tell you like they only had really what the six they had seven shots really on goal so you can see the pressure that I suppose Clara Clara were mounting on them in the second half there. Yes, they are very, very young, but they had some really good players. I thought Rachel Whelan playing at the middle of the field was very, very good for Clara. Leisha Nolan, just typical Leisha Nolan, getting herself down, um, you know, just getting getting herself into the rooks, winning ball. Like there's a there's a lot of players. Emma Shortle was kind of coming into it, you know, I suppose recently enough, just back from injuries. I think, you know, once they have they kind of you know, recover themselves over the coming weeks, over the next couple of weeks. I wouldn't like to be playing them in a round one championship, to be honest with you, because I think, you know, they've they've a really young, very fast team. So it'll be very interesting to see where they go. It certainly will. Right, let's move it on a little bit then till we see. Have I got a result of Blacksome Heights and Tullerher? The answer to that is no. So we're moving on to James Stevens and St. Bridget's and that result is literally just after coming in here to me. You did say James Stevens would win this. <laughs> weren't too far wrong. There was only a point in it, but it yeah. went to St. Bridget's. 110 to 19. Yeah, I had a feeling it was going to be a closely, very closely contested tested game I suppose both teams like you look at James Stevens, they had a draw a win and this could have been a massive win for them if they got it whereas you look at um, you look at St. Bridget's on the other side they had a loss in the first game then they had a win and a win on this would nearly probably put them they could be within a fighting chance of topping their topping their group really couldn't they? Now it's possible as yeah. I said can't really say at the minute because the, the tables haven't been updated the scores haven't been inputted yet because didn't have a time to do that between the scores are literally just coming into us as no, we come to now you see this is where the, the group tables yeah. online at the minute is group one and group two yeah. but you take the individual groupings out of it and yeah. put St. Bridget's in their own group Yeah, they technically could be at the top of their group no. there well Wine Gap have three games from three is Wine Gap in the same group as yeah. them? Wine Gap, St. Martin, St. Bridget's are all in the one group. All well, one Wine group. Gap will definitely top yeah. the group there. But still, so. you'd you'd be looking at St. Bridget's there to probably finish in second position, which is that's a good that's a, a good place for them to be in. Um, but yeah, like that's a really really that's sorry that's my phone going off. Sorry, don't worry getting, about it. Um, names from matches in here. Um, See, the spies are <laughs> texting in. Yeah, so yeah, like that's a really really good result for St. Bridget's to be fair to them, and I think you know they'll take an awful lot of confidence. They, they're only growing. 
as we see, like you obviously the first day out not a great result for them but they only lost by two points they got a win last weekend got a win this weekend their momentum is building and when they're kind of hitting championship form that's where they'll be really ready yeah you want momentum in a yeah. couple of weeks time when you're hitting it right Conaghy Shamrocks versus St Martins that's the other game in the Michael Ling Motors Hyundai Senior uh, League game and if I get it here now it's a win for St Martins 17 points to 1-8 so a good win there for the St Martins women I got it right Lil oh, did you, you did yeah. get it right yeah she said St Martins I yeah. said St Martins last weekend yeah um, I think I said St Martins because I was afraid Connie were going to have a few injuries but they seem to have the girls like Shannon Fien I think well she looked like she was back anyway um, but yeah I think that was the other way around that you were afraid in case you didn't say St Martins that you were going to doubt me yeah. um, oh I have enough to be dealing with now on that front um, St Martins yeah that's a really really good result for them and they'll be happy going into the, their next round I think did they have a bye in the first round mm-hmm. no St Martins is playing uh, Clara which we're going to come yeah, to because so that, that one was postponed the, and it's on this weekend that's yeah a, that's a big game in that group because it's the, it's a, could be a deciding factor for a couple of positions in group A and B I think and we're not it? the GA by the way so scoring difference does come into it but mm-hmm. it's the old fashioned score difference and not the teams that's involved in it like we've seen the last couple of days and following the new rules that was brought in as well which is causing consternation uh, in most counties uh, around the place don't even look at it. I don't even want to know what the, the new uh, okay so we're talking about the GAA though we're not talking about yeah but the, the, yeah it's the old fashioned score difference when it comes to Camogie um, right where was I are you finished with that one yeah okay uh, Barrow Rangers and Thomastown is the next senior game and that result was in fairly early to me um, a first win for Thomastown if I'm right in saying that 4-10 to 1-11 over Barrow Rangers tonight so they are off the mark yeah big big result for Thomastown they've had two defeats I suppose in the opening stages of their league and they really needed to they really needed to get a victory out of that one and I suppose you know for Barrow Rangers um, you know it leaves them at the, at the bottom of their group stage but you know Thomstown be finishing now and well I suppose Thomstown are still going to finish at the bottom of their group as well because they were probably put into the group of doubt with Dixborough and Piltown um, well, Dixborough is definitely going to top that yeah, one yeah like they so. are but you know what again it's it's momentum building. Thomastown would be very happy. I think, I think if Thomastown were to lose this evening, I think that could be a crushing factor in them trying to have any way of trying to retain their county title this year. Um, but listen, they're back in first round, and as somebody said to me, all you need to do is win four or five matches, and you're county champions. That and it's the most important four or five. Yeah, well, it certainly is. You did get that one right as well, by the way. So that's two in a row for you. Thanks. The next one, senior. Dixborough versus Young Ireland's. You did say that Young Ireland's had a strong fancy in this one. I did. I don't know was Dixborough listening to you or something because they came out of the traps and they bet Young Ireland's two twenty four to one six in this game. It wasn't even close. Nope. There was a Grand Canyon uh, between the teams in that scoreline. Yeah, I was in at it. I seen it. Um, it was a demolition job. If it was kind of basically what what Young Ireland and Pilltown have done to us in the last two weeks it was um, it was nearly a combined effort of what Dixborough did this evening um, and it's no disrespect to Young Ireland's at all um, Nicole Carter I think was a she was a big loss for um for Young Ireland this evening but one player wasn't going to affect that scoreline um, Dixborough are different gravy altogether they are they're passing the subs that they're able to bring in like it was a, a rose rose 
Dowling? Is this Rose Lahey? She's Rose so Dowling. Rose Dowling. Is it Rose Dowling? Yeah, Rose Dowling. She's a minor. She's a minor. She yeah. came in um, number 18 on her back. So apologies if you have if her surname is wrong and she scored two points. Well, my God. Rose Kelly. Rose Kelly. Um, you say in bold wouldn't catch this <laughs> she was so fast it was crazy um, but you know you're looking at it there like they had um, in their forwards alone you had Lucinda Gatton back playing centre forwards there this evening um, you had Ashley McCarthy strong athletic yeah, player really strong and herself and, and herself and um, Tiffy Fitz marking each other they were kind of nearly now there was going to yeah, be a battle it was going to be that was really going to be a physical battle because two really physical players Jenny Clifford in the corner Amy Clifford out wing um Ashton McCarty started midfield. Kira Feeling was unbelievable. Just, you know, catching balls, her delivery of the ball. Everything with Dixper is so fast. It's so clear. They know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly where everybody is. You know, just raking up some of the scores there, right? You had Amy Clifford now, and I could have missed one or two scores. Uh, Amy Clifford had five points from play scored. Um, Jenny Clifford had a goal and a point from play. Asha McCarty had four points from play. Um, Eva Prendergast had three points from play, two from freeze. Orla Hanrick, corner forward. Unbelievable. Here Again, we're talking about Orla every yeah, single year. Uh, she has a goal and two, one uh, her a pint from a free. Lucinda Gahan notched over a pint. Keir Feeling came off the field, got a pint. Um, Neva Dunn, who came on as a sub, got a pint. And Rose Kelly, two points. And I know I've missed out on a score there somewhere, but they were. They're excellent. They were excellent. I think out of all the teams I've seen so far, they're definitely up there as as the strongest team. They're just a different kettle of fish. They're actually I'm going to be devil's advocate now as well for this because we've seen something similar last year as well when it came to it. Mm -hmm. You know, they went through to the semi final. They basically done a demolition job on Piltown like when it came to the semi-final yeah. went into the final everyone thought they were going to walk through this as well are they going to get a stiff test later on in the season do you think from what you've seen so far yeah I think they will um kind of looking at it I nearly expected Young Ireland's to push it up to them um, now Young Ireland's had their patches it, it was it was like Young it was like Dixborough wouldn't allow Young Ireland's to hurl like they were obviously not going to be happy with I suppose the results this evening but they're still they could still take a lot of confidence from a few things like their goalie and again I, I can't I don't have her name she was unbelievable She Jenny Clifford had the ball at one stage and she was going in first and she literally just turned her whole body to get she literally just jumped up saved the ball like it was a dead certain goal you'd have put your house on it for it to be into the back of the net and I think Mickey Clifford was over and he was like you know hang it hang it and the goalie came out and she made an unbelievable save had one or two great catches um after that and another couple of balls that she was like just flicking out she was really really strong so there's a lot of things that positive that they could that they could take from um, Sounds like there's lots of positives coming down there for later on in the season Yeah absolutely uh, Sarah O'Donnell got a goal uh, Steffi Fitz was very very good Julie Lennon very very good you know there is I, I felt like Young Ireland's they just couldn't get into their groove um, like I look at them and say I suppose when we played them from the get go they were just on fire they were literally running 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 and everything was so fast with them Dixburn weren't allowing that to happen and yeah that was a massive result I think when you're kind of looking at it now I would be maybe potentially looking at themselves Dixburn and Pilltown I'd like to see the two of them fight it out maybe in a quarter final stage 
get one and get rid of one of them it'd be great wouldn't it well you don't know by the, <laughs> by the way things are going here it looks like that we're going to have a, an interesting draw uh, which we should be able to do here next Monday evening on Come On Kind for those uh, preliminary rounds as well because all of the teams should be known by next Sunday morning right that is all of the seniors I think that I can find at the minute that was played over the weekend anyway I don't think I have skipped anyone let's move on to the Shaw's Department Store Intermediate Games and we are going to start with one of the games this evening as well and that is O'Loughlin Gales versus Freshford you did say O'Loughlin Gales was going to win this one and they did by 6 points 17 points to 11 they did um, I was only in for the last 15 minutes of that game I was there for the whole you were there for the whole last well um, get in there then and you know start yapping and telling us what went on I qualify this by saying I know nothing about hurling am I on Mark uh, you are go back a bit because the way we are now today there we're a bit am loud, loud? Y- sorry yeah yeah, it was t- this was a tough match. There's going to be a lot of sore bodies tomorrow now. And I suppose the score at the end, there were six points in it at the end, but Sinead Farrell pulled off two tremendous saves. One of them um, one of them was, was point, the two of them were point blank. The second one was an absolute bullet. I don't know how she even saw it, but she, she got a hurl to it and got it out. But it was a very tough match now. There will be a lot of sore bodies and the Freshford team are very young. Mm-hmm. Like there's fierce experience on the O'Loughlin Gales team. Laura Murphy was back tonight. Laura Green had a oh, great game. Oh, I thought the the rumours no. were that Laura was gone for the year. Well, forward. Laura Murphy was in corner forward this evening and was fast as I've ever seen Laura Murphy. Well, see, and got a, some a, lovely a points. A player like that makes a huge difference, as you can see yeah. from the, res- the the last couple of results. True, got some lovely points from play. Um, I didn't have the full team sheet. I did have the full team, the Freshford team, but I didn't have the full team sheet from um, O'Loughlin's. Unfortunately, uh, Laura Green had a great game. Um, I'm trying to think who else but they were fast and and to be fair to Freshford they never gave up they were still hurling you saw the last Mm. what 10 minutes of it yeah 10 like they never stopped hurling and a lot of the play was in the O'Loughlin's half for for that 10 minutes to be fair yeah they were putting putting them under pressure an awful lot of pressure they were and O'Loughlin's I'd say will be annoyed with themselves for the amount of freeze they gave away Okay. Like at halftime, um, I can't remember what the halftime score was, but I know of the Freshford scores, all but two were from were from freeze. And the same in the second half, like the last five scores, I think that Freshford got were all freeze. Is that is that worrying then on the other side of it as well? That you're not getting points from play. Yeah. That everything is kind of you're mm-hmm. you're dependent wholly on a, a free taker. Now we know that you need a good free taker in yeah. your team anyway. Well, they had but two good free takers. They had three good free takers now this evening. Michelle, Colleen, uh, Lydia, mm-hmm. Fitzpatrick got some frees, and Julianne Bergen mm-hmm. scored some lovely frees. And they seemed to have them that they could, like Lydia could take the long range ones. Michelle could take the long to mid range ones, and Julianne was taking the ones up close. But like it was a it was a good game of hurling. Yeah, well, I suppose seventeen points for Lachlan Gales. That's a you know that's a big turnaround, I suppose. When when we're looking at Camogie games, because we don't often see that many points. Because like I, with that, the exception of of Dixburg there this evening. Yeah, you have St. Well. Martin's with seventeen, yeah. or Lachlan's with like seventeen. You actually have Moonkine coming up later on with seventeen yeah, points you know, like as it's, well. It's a really, it's a really, really good turnover, I think. And by all accounts, like you know, the couple of minutes I saw, like you, you'd have to say Laura Green certainly was the standout performer there. Um, she did say she. Did 
dictates everything but she has, like we've been saying it all year she's an engine on her and oh she an engine and she was all and over the field as was Lydia Phelan like the stats of the 17 points for O'Loughlin's 15 were from play and 2 were from free they'll pull it back just a small fraction there sorry Mark they go grand now uh, of the 17 points 15 were from play and 2 were from free St. Lacton's on the other hand scored 11 points 3 were from play and 8 were from freeze yeah you really need to be scoring points from play yeah. like uh, yeah, you know definitely. while it's great to have a free taker you certainly have to be mixing that up as well but look it's only a blip in the road as we said it's only round three um, you know there's still plenty of room and for improvement Again, there's lots like, of games to come yes the league it's it's you know it's there's games there to be won and you know it can kind of set you up for straight into a championship quarter final but at the end of the stage it's it's just the league and you know it's all well and good producing these scores and producing these form, uh, performances mm. and this goes for every team across all grades you know senior intermediate junior when it comes to round one of championship when it comes to knockout it's going to be a different kettle of fish yeah. altogether that's where and you have to be able to produce like the goals. worry would be Michelle Killeen had a collision with one of the O'Loughlin's players this evening now and had to be taken off so you'd be hoping that it's only a knock that yeah. it's serious mm. because she'd be a big loss to them yeah, yeah. and she's a young player as well like she's probably yeah. she's still well she was only under 16 this year so. yeah so like she still has two grades to play she's playing three grades really so like you, you kind of have to be mindful mm. of the youngsters playing as well and minding them and whatever but yeah there will be a lot of sore bodies it was a good game of hurling now it was a good game to watch well, well done to all Auckland's there commiserations to St. Lacton's right Emeralds St. Anne's and Carrick Shock was postponed uh, tonight that game is going ahead at the weekend uh, Ballyhale and Moonkind certainly did go ahead and that result came into me earlier on there as well and Moonkind are really flying it at mm. intermediate level this year that's another win under the belt from 2.17 to 2.8 Ballyhale's good form and their good record has come to an abrupt end this evening but again like Freshford it's just a small little blip in the road but Moonkind certainly are flying on you Yeah they certainly are and I suppose they're kind of maybe at the moment they seem to be kind of really keeping an eye on, an eye on themselves and St. Clair's certainly are flying the flag, the flag there at um, intermediate level. I think Ballyhale though, I still think that they will be there latter stages of this championship. Um, by all means, they, you know, they, they still got two goals and eight points against a very heavily fancied Munkine team, let's be fair. like um, So I would be still saying that there's a, a lot more in Ballyhale to come. I haven't seen the Munkine play, uh, team playing actually live only from the results and that, but we did have uh, a couple of our spies out um, and yeah, there's uh, there's lots of good performances all yeah. over the, the the pitch and that one with uh, players, etc. Liz Downey Glenmore, that was postponed this evening and that is going ahead at the weekend as well. We'll get into that shortly. The Southern Clash of the Rornestig and Molinavat, that was on this evening and I know that result did come into me and again, it was a big win there for the Rornestig, 320 to 1-6. Molinavat are certainly struggling at intermediate level this year. They have They've lost a lot of players and yeah. you can see it that they are struggling with it and the fear actually even coming from some of the quarters in Mullinavat was to know if there was relegation this year at intermediate yeah. level we know mm. they got relegated a few years ago from senior level mm. uh, it's certainly not going in the right direction for themselves but again another big win for the Roaring League 320 like is a big score 320 is a 
massive, massive scoreline uh, for Orange Tegan. Listen, we kind of said it from day one, they're looking to go that one step further in the championship and they're certainly going about it the right way. I think they they had a loss in round one and they're really after picking up their picking up their pace since didn't they they got better in the first round, I think, wasn't it? You have me now. That's terrible. I'll um, I'll check it up for you. Um, apologies if we're incorrect on that. Um, but yeah, it was three twenty. S H A W S D E P. Department. Oh, we know. I can't. I have to go to the season results first. Sorry, this is. Yeah. Well, listen. Before. Anyway, three twenty. Uh, another big massive scoreline. You would be go. concerned. Round about this year. one. And that is Group Two. Where are we? Round one. Uh, the roar in Monkine. Yeah. Actually, better than round one. Yeah. You know, it's going to be going to be very very interesting. You throw the likes of Roar Nishtig, Moonkine, Saint Clairs, O'Loughlin Gales. You know. There's a lot of teams there that has the potential, like to come away and uh, yeah. and win a, lot, uh, a championship yeah. when and it like, comes and to let's fi- let's be fair. If you had said at the very, if you had said before the round one stages had even started, who are your teams kind of that you'd be looking at? O'Loughlin potentially might not have been in it. Freshford would have been in it, but I think the results that O'Loughlin Gales are after kind of putting up over the last couple of weeks, it's certainly after pushing them in there. But you know, there it's still a a long season to go. It is a very long season to go. Right, that is the games that was played this evening. Let's move on to the games that's going on this weekend coming. There was a boy weekend in it to allow four teams that for the new format couldn't play in round one or round two and there was a gap break there for them one of those games is the Premier Junior uh, Kilkenny Rivercourt hotel game between John Locks Bennett's Bridge and Pilltown this has a 6.30pm throw-in in Bennett's Bridge on Friday evening uh, who's going to come out in this one? I'm going to stick to my gun and I'm going to, get, going to, going to go with John Locksbane's bridge. I'm nearly, yeah, I'm pretty sure I had um, had tipped them last weekend um, when it was meant to be played. You did? So, yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to stick to John Locksbane's bridge. I highly, highly rate this John Locksbane's bridge team. Okay, well, there's lots of games on over the weekend as well. There's plenty of games that's all down for Sunday morning. They can't all go ahead Sunday morning because we're not going to have referees for them anyway, one way or another. But matches on the weekend, St. Martins and Clara. Huge one, uh, huge one for both teams. Um, but I suppose looking at form there at the moment, and I just think Clara just slightly struggling at the moment. And I think when you're coming into a, a team as physical, and after getting a great result this evening at St Martin's, you would have to be tipping St Martin's for this game. Okay, so you're tipping them for that one. A big clash the weekend is certainly going to be St Lacton's and St Clair's. This has a two o'clock throw-in in Park Lacton on Sunday. It's certainly a big clash, but can St Clair's keep their 100% record going? Oh God, uh, huge game! It's 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 a serious bounce back mission for. Uh, St. Lacton's in this and I think that they know themselves that uh, St. Clair's are going very very well at the moment um, Can home advantage count for anything in these matches? It does and it doesn't like it's, it's a hard one it's very very hard 
I'm going to be shot. I'm going to go with Sinclair's. <laughs> going to be uh, that's two weeks in a row now. I've gone against Rashford. But sure, whether you're going to be shot or not, you have to go on form. And the way things are on form, and I'm just looking at the table before going into this. Sinclair's had two wins uh, under their belts. O'Loughlin Gales now have. Uh, two wins under mm-hmm. their belt as well from their matches um, Emerald St. Anne's Danes Ford Carrick Shock you know they're still there thereabouts all to, to results to go in this weekend but when you're looking at the other end of things Munkine, uh still going top of the table there with three wins from three as well like they're really flying it um, mm-hmm. so that's going to be uh, I think you have to remember though with St. Lactons right and I just want to read like they are a very very young team and correct. I think this is a massive learning curve for them and I suppose like for the likes of Paula and Philly and all the crowd that are involved with them their aim is to what their aim has been to have St. Lacton stand alone and that's why they you know separate just because we decide that we're going to go for a team does not mean that it's going to go to form anyway no. I mean how many pundits all over the country when it comes to hurling matches and camogie matches and the whole lot of saying somebody is going to win and someone can have a bad day a team mm-hmm. doesn't perform the other team can win so you yeah. know you, oh, listen, we, we are, we're just going on form we um, we know nothing we, and we get them wrong <laughs> we do get them wrong now, you don't get the majority of them wrong to be fair to you <laughs> like you, you, your record with him is pretty decent oh yeah it's not too bad oh yeah, yeah. not too it, bad it is right let's stay with the intermediate game uh, Liz Downey and Glenn Moore the one that was supposed to be on this evening how is that one going to end up Liz Downey against Glenn Moore I'm actually going I'm sticking to my guns on this one now as well and I'm going to keep with Liz Downey um, where's that one that's in Liz Downey isn't it that is in Liz Downey on I'm assuming it is Sunday morning yes at half 11 that is confirmed okay Sunday morning okay 11.30 I'll get to that one. early start for you yeah once it's only over the road I'll get to that yeah I would be I would be uh, expecting Liz Downey to come out with a victory in that I picked well, them actually, last week two for you now because you have that one at half 11 and you have the one in Freshwater at 2 o'clock I'm sure I'll be on the road all day long you can get your bag of chips after then as well will I absolutely will surely I might get Trisha to you know some maybe nice dinner at the weekend or, you know you never know that's above my pay grade now yeah. I'm yeah that's that's way above my pay grade yeah <laughs> no <laughs> he, he says he's enough to be listening to me at home <laughs> I'm assuming though he does listen to the hurling podcast now to hear how he's going in that like I actually laugh <laughs> I actually laugh at him because I was listening to it and he's very much like um, he doesn't want to listen to anything that's been said about it because he doesn't he, he just doesn't want to hear anything so I was sneakily trying to listen to the hurling podcast there last week and he heard St. Lacton's being mentioned he's like turn it up now <laughs> so um, <laughs> this is the, this is the first one that they were doing so ever since then now he literally fast forwards <laughs> the last 15 20 minutes just to hear what they're saying about fresh he's like turn it off now it's like okay but yeah so we'll see uh, see how it goes you see you've converted him you know podcasts yeah. are brilliant when you're listening to yes they I are mean, he, he could be using that for motivation now inside with the lads and look at them fellas in there now and they're writing you off now mm. and you go and it's, show it's one thing it's one thing about him because he can't listen he doesn't like to listen to like he won't read reports about it he won't listen to it kind of lets everything over his head because he's so focused I suppose that's what he and Jesus he is enough to pick out of it anyway 44 players I was looking at the programme <laughs> yeah. the other day yeah like, it's I mean, great you could it's put great. two teams in yeah, no, some teams are struggling like to make 15 and, and he yeah. is 44 but I, you know, I just think it's I, I just think they're he's yeah listen he's 
there's a lot of young talent that came up last year and you know there's a lot of lads there and they're listen they're going well they are and we're getting off a little bit off topic yeah. so we're going to yes, keep we're moving. talking about camogie not hurling yeah. well, you know we're all the same sisters yeah. brothers you know I mean you you have marital combats between yes. yourself we've, we've and a legally yourself. binding contract we have to support <laughs> each other <laughs> right talk about supporting obviously Barrow Rangers and Conaghy are going to have supporters at the weekend as well this is in the junior C League Championship who's going to come out on top in this one Barrow Rangers Conaghy again it's I hate I hate um I hate kind of giving my opinion on teams that I don't really get too much don't get to see too much um, but I suppose listen I'm going to stick my head out and I'm going to go with Conaghy on this I think Conaghy have such a really good youth coming through that they should be they should win that game so I'm going to go with Conaghy Okay Nay Breed versus James Stevens also in the junior C this is obviously Nay Breed's first team um, James Stevens' second team how do you think this one's going to go? I think this will be a, a village victory as well. Again, something very similar to James Stevens. They just have such... It's I suppose it's the catchment area that you're looking at. They have such a wide range of players that are available. And like a lot of these players that are on their, their junior team are probably fringe players on their senior team as well. Like, you know, and they're probably, they could end up training together. And I suppose that's what, that's what really helps. So again, I'm going to go with um, James Stevens on that. And the last one then is Emerald St. Anne's versus Carrick Shock. It's definitely not going ahead, I'd say, at six o'clock. It will be on the weekend. As I always say, please do check the website for up-to-date information. It will be updated in the morning to see when uh, teams are going to be playing, what times they're going to be playing at, etc. But who's going to win this? I'm sticking to my guns on it. I picked Emerald St. Anne's last weekend against them and I'm not going to change my mind. So I'm going to I'm going to stick with the Emerald St. Hands on this. You sure now? Yeah, I think the home venue with this one. Um, I think it's going to be it's going to be very very interesting. I think both teams are going to be quite are going to be matched physically. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be it's all going to be about the fire pound up fire fire power up front. You can stick in the teeth. <laughs> Jesus, she's not that old yet. I mean, come on. She's doing that I know. Sorry. I thought she could have got a belt in the mouth at some stage, like, and you know, you, you just don't, you just don't know. I mean, you that would be, yeah. Anyway, let's have a little topic of conversation because a topic of conversation has been going around all weekend in GA circles oh no, about, about development squads and oh, yeah. whether they're good or bad for Kilkenny. Now, I'm not getting you embroiled in the GAA development squad end of things, but I am going to bring you in to the academy slash development squads within Camogie. <clears throat> Are they working in terms of bringing the players forward in the Camogie system? Do they work for Camogie? you can be honest that, like, that's that's what we're here for we're that here is. for a debate of course can um, it's interesting I think I suppose when you kind of look at it when people talk about development squad it's all about developing the players that may not technically be at the level um, to the to the next to the next group that they should be at so that's where it is it's not necessarily about the players that don't make now I'm just going to take I'm just going to take an age group as an example so just say for example you have five girls that go in for trials for a minor county team right and three out of those five girls make 
said county team the other two don't they're technically not the players that need to be developed it's the girls behind them that didn't go for the trials in my opinion that, that that's what the development squad is for Okay, but does when that I, make sense? It does, but when I'm looking at it, I mean, we have basically two grades at championship level, which mm-hmm. is 16 and minor. Yeah. The trials as such, you want your best players yeah. to, to be win. playing yeah. and to win. You know, yeah. you, you, you want to win an All-Ireland mm-hmm. final. It's as simple as that. We haven't won an under-16 All-Ireland final heading for... Is it 19 years? Uh, is it? What, 2008? 2008 was the last one. And mm-hmm. next year is 2024. We're looking at 16 years next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going into our 16th year that we haven't won um, an All-Iron final. Mm-hmm. We do very well at under 14 level. We mm-hmm. do very well at under 15 level. We did very well at under 17 level in particular this year as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've three teams at under 14, two teams at under 15. You have... Two teams technically at under 16, only one of them can go forward to the All-Ireland competition. Mm-hmm. Two teams at minor level, only one of them can go forward to the competition at uh, All-Ireland stage. We win Leinster, mm-hmm. but when you're looking at them, their blitzes at under 14, the transition from 14 to 15 and then from 15 to 16 mm-hmm. is a working. Like it's great having shorter blitzes, mm-hmm. uh, being able to compete in shorter games, but when we then get to the the latter stages, I mean, I can understand where you're coming from about development, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm going to put the shoe around on the other foot. So you're the under sixteen manager, and you want the best players coming in. Yes. But the clubs are sending in, we'll say, the players that's up to the age and the players that should be getting a chance, but they may not be the best players yes. in your club. Yes. So, do we then go down the route of stop calling them development squads because they're basically a player pathway for your county team for your 14s to go through to 15s for your 15s then to go to 16s and you want to keep all these players going forward to the senior and the intermediate or our adult team depending on how many we have in the future years to come. So, should we be stop calling them development squads and calling them something else but like what's the whole idea around I don't know this is why I'm asking you but like th- this is my thing what's the whole idea around the development like why we have to ask ourselves this question first why were the development squads put in place what is the sole purpose for the development squads well there's a development and coaching committee in Crow Park and they set guidelines that is sent down that how many sessions you can have in mm-hmm. the year how many you can have on the panel mm-hmm. uh, whether you have 15s so we'll say for argument's sake if we put in two teams at under 16 level right mm-hmm. because one of those only goes through to Leinster and you get a couple of matches and you can't go through to the all Ireland competition if we said we have one under 15 development squad which is going to be our A squad mm-hmm. um, and that would be the B team then for the under 16 Leinster competition and put them in and play in Leinster so they get their matches etc but they then can't go and partake in the under 15 development blitzes around the county because they are classed as being on a championship panel which in my opinion is correct like if you were after making be it an A or a B inter-county team at under 16 level to me you're developed enough you shouldn't have to do an under 15 you shouldn't have to be on an under-15 No, but my squad. point are to we, you... Are we leaving behind players? Possibly, but my point is that under-15 team would be your under-16A team for the following year. But would it, though? I don't know. I'm, I'm asking look, the question if again. You, if you look at, we'll say, 
I don't know. Like, if you look at some of the current inter-county guards that we have in Kilkenny, how many of them would have come through? I'd love to know how many of them came through development squads. Can't answer that question exactly. But if you look at the other hand then and you look at... Cork yep. Galway mm-hmm. and Tipperary mm-hmm. when they come to play us in blitzes mm-hmm. we're beating them at under 15 and we're beating them at under 14 level yep. and beating them handily enough now yep. okay we lost out by a point to Galway this year that was in the yeah. so the minority where's it going wrong but when it comes to the under 16 level Tipperary Galway mm-hmm. and Cork are wiping the floor with us why so is it do we have to look at our and again I'm not a professional on this at all do we have to do we have to look at our um, the way we're selecting we'll say start from the very bottom do we have to look at the way we're selecting our under 14 developments and then do we have to look at you know I suppose who's involved or who's on board and this is, is that where we need to go back to I'm not saying there's anything wrong with anybody who's involved because anybody who's involved is obviously they're on voluntary Correct, basis yeah, and they give up their time yeah. I don't know who's involved I'm just asking the question do we need to look at that and I think the under 13 academy this year is a prime example of that that you're bringing in all of the players so the under 13 academy is primarily set at younger players that's not on the under 14 team it's also primarily set at coaches so that the coaches are coming in to learn new skills but those other players are also coming in to develop skills you know they're uh, making new teammates you know they're honing in on nutrition all different kind of stuff which is what you want for development Mm -hmm. but when you move up then to under 14 level should we be deciding that okay you're sending me the best players that's in Tullerone at the minute I want your three best players not the three oldest yeah I think so I think when it comes to picking into are, are we go, are we moving down towards that direction well I think that's what <laughs> if you, doesn't always happen it doesn't always happen but that's the way it should be like if you're sending it should be your best players that should be going forward and listen I totally understand that some people would be completely against that but when it comes to an inter-county stage it, it should be your best players that should be representing your club and representing Kilkenny like that's the it, it shouldn't have to be just solely for the older player or whatever the case may be because that's to me that's what the development squad can be used for am I am I wrong in saying that just to put a bit of meat on the bones you asked what was the original premise yes. behind what is it squads. I was lucky enough to be the first development officer for Camogie and Kilkenny I was also Leinster development chair for six or seven years the original premise was to develop Camogie within your county. That was your development officer's job, yes. that you developed Camogie within your county, that you tried to um, garner more clubs within your county and get Camogie. My premise was to get Camogie, or my role was to get Camogie into schools, maybe that there wasn't Camogie in, which we did pretty successfully. We got, in my term, we got three or four new clubs as a result. And that was the role. But it seems to have developed through the years into this blitz scenario where you travel around the country and you play the blitzes. Mm-hmm. I fully agree with you. The thing is about developing Camogie. The Under 13 Academy, to me, is going back to what the original remit of a development officer and a development mm-hmm. committee within a county was for. Mm-hmm. To develop 
the skills, basic skills. Yeah. We can all see them. We can see that they're all roll lifting balls. They're not consistently able to strike the ball on both sides. All the basics, basic nutrition, basic S&C and all the things that the academy did. And I think we're missing... We're, we're not doing that from and that's no reflection on anybody that's given their time or give, putting the yeah. work in but you asked what was the original remit and this is not a bashing by the no. way I'm only trying to get a debate open up I at the minute to see how well the from an outsider's point of view like I mean we can see what work is going on from the inside of it but we and would it's like tremendous. Yeah, and there's lots of volunteers there there's yeah. lots of mm. work being put into it and they do so much work uh, in the background mm. and the whole lot but just when the, when the when I was listening to it over the weekend about the GAA and how much that we're not progressing those players up to minor level mm. and then up to under 20 level to try and win championship matches yeah. I'm looking at Camogie end of things and saying well we're very competitive at under 14 and have been with the last number of years we're under 14A All-Ireland champions we're winning under 15 All-Ireland blitzes left right and centre uh, we're beating teams around us and then when we get to the 15 aside full 30 plus minute matches we're struggling yeah. and we can't compete and I'm wondering why we can't get the transition between the 14s to 15s which we have huge numbers involved mm -hmm. like you're looking at 70 plus under 14s you're looking at 60, 60 girls, girls at under, under 15, 15. Mm -hmm. and when it comes then to picking your 30 best players for an A squad at under 16 we're now going into the 16th year without an All-Ireland final or and an I have title, to agree I with say. Anya clubs need to take some responsibility as well and send in their best players mm-hmm which, which does cause an awful lot of friction awful in awful clubs. Friction. It, does, yeah. it does, and I suppose that's that's probably coming. That's the uh, that's the, another side of it. Um, clubs may not want to upset players, may not want to upset parents, and you know, and, and I totally get that, and I totally understand that. But I do think it's kind of like it. Those calls do need to be made. I think, like when we kind of look at it, and I suppose when you kind of look at maybe a GA point of view as well, we are probably behind a bit in in times if would that be a fit would that be fair to say compared to the likes of the limericks I don't know Do I heard a conversation going on over the weekend or even today about it and like we can stay comparing ourselves to other counties and what other counties are doing or not doing that's fine but a very wise man once said and he he was very right. In Kilkenny, we do things the Kilkenny way. We yeah. may not always get it, get it right, but yeah. we do our damnedest to to get the best for the kids and get and get them yeah. developed. But I do think I do agree that we're get we're missing a beat somewhere. Like if we can be successful at under fourteen and successful at under fifteen, why aren't we seeing it at under sixteen? Mm. And to be fair, the way the development squads have been picked in the last seven or eight years is very very fair. Because mm. nobody actually knows who the players are until it comes down to the last to pick in the panels. Okay, okay yeah, I know yeah. you. I know you say we don't look at other counties and that is in it, right? But should we then be looking at potentially picking the four, the fourteen team and having that as training them? really successfully to have them going then to 15 so you're giving them basically two or three years of excellent coaching uh, you know S&C wise mm -hmm. nutrition wise you're getting them and you're preparing them 
from 14 all the way up to under 16 level to see if he can win an under 16 All-Ireland final. So you're technically not having a development squad. You're having an elite Play, I don't uh, like the I, word I, I, elite. I know I, I know you don't like the word elite, and I'm not trying to say it's elite either. But like you're kind of looking at that then that way because you're trying to pick your best the players thing about to go that, forward. Martin is it's kind of given. It's not giving everybody a fair chance yeah. because everybody develops at different levels. Yes, and exactly. a girl that you might see at under 13, that and bear in mind I was out at the under 13 academy last weekend. And I know I'm old, but by God, did I feel very small. I don't know what we're feeding these kids, but honest to God, they're all going to be six footers. But that aside, they all develop at different stages. So you will have an excellent under 13 who may absolutely fall flat on her face for the whole under 14 year and not be seen, Mm. but will come back then and could be a half decent 15 or 16 year old. So you need to have it open for competition. You need need the door to be always open, that they're trialled every year, that the club send in their best players every year. Mm. And it's up to whoever is picking the squads then to pick them. But then is there no cohesion there? between years because if you're trying to to pick players every year from one end of the year to the, from one year to the next okay you may lose a couple of players you may gain a couple of players but there's no cohesion there true but if and the development we have an excellent development committee in in, in Kenny Kamogi at the minute they're excellent the ideas are absolutely they're bursting with ideas but the idea of the academy and the way the academy was done this year is hopefully going to follow through. But should we look at splitting it? Splitting? An academy. So you have your players that you want at under 14 level and you pick your coaches. And as I said, you're preparing them for under 16 level. So Mm. you're going to give them the best of training, the best of everything else and prepare them for two years to try and go and win an All-Ireland. And then on the other hand, you have people which, I mean, we have so many coaches at level one within the county. You then have a separate development squad type system that you are then bringing the players from the clubs that want to develop their skills and get better. So you're bringing them for training sessions once a week or once a fortnight or once a month or whatever and you're trying to then develop them players which would be going down the road of development but you have a separate end of things that you want your players that's going to go forward that you know are your best players to try and win you an All-Ireland final Mm -hmm. and you then have on the other side the players that you want to try and develop Mm -hmm. with your club end of things interesting idea yeah interesting idea but you still have to leave it leave both open mm. for certain exceptional girls you, that might, you might have a girl she might be 13 years of age and she goes in to play an under 14 development she goes in to play under 14 and she might be just um, a mediocre player right mm. but then when she hits 15 she could be an outstanding player like we all develop a different you know all players develop or you could have a, a child that picks up glandular fever at some stage along their way mm. like that's a whole year it t- I don't care what anybody says and I'm not a medical person but I know from experience it takes a year mm. to get that out of your system and come back right and you could have girls like that who maybe get an illness and you don't see them or they're not performing mm-hmm. up to scratch and you could have glandular fever for six weeks before it actually you you know what it is. Yeah. So 
you can't exclude girls like that either. But I, th- yeah, that's an interesting idea, Martin. That's a very interesting idea. You know, it just it, it seems to kind of be a logical sense of things that you have the best of both worlds that you have your development which you want to do anyway and that also goes for coaches because I think the more upskilling that coaches do gives our players a better chance anyway not only within their clubs but also within the county as well and And I think that's what I like that's what I like about the the academy because the coaches are invited in Mm as well as the players mm-hmm. and they they do different little things every every but session. But you know yourself, right? And you're in Tullerone. So you have a couple of parents that their little Mary or Nelly is getting involved because they're going to school and, mm-hmm. you know, their, their parents wanted to help out and they go and they get all of their certificates, their guard of vet and etc. And then you're told, well, look, you have to do a foundation course, which is great. And you go and you do the bog standard basics of how to hold a hurl properly how to jab lift how to roll lift etc but that's it yeah. you know like that parent then might go along with Mary and Nelly up along to under 8 level mm. she might go to under 10 level because yeah. the young one is progressing up they are helping out the whole time they're doing mm. a bit of coaching because mm. they're asked to do it but there's no upskill so what they learned back at the foundation level well to be honest now I think the upskilling is going to come because the stipulation now that everybody that's coaching has to have at minimum foundation level that's going to my thinking on it is that give it three or four years you're going to have to do a refresher the same as you have to refresh your guard of betting and you have to refresh your safeguard yeah but a refresher lil is okay because if you're staying at the same age group so mm. you want to get involved at nursery level and you just want to teach the basics to kids that's great refresher is grand but if you're going to progress up along and help to train under 14s or under 15s or whatever you obviously have to progress because I mean when we're in here right there's new digital equipment that comes out the way and it comes that we're trying to record a podcast. If you don't upskill on how to use that, there's going to be no podcast. Yeah, but to finish my point, the the thing is, sorry, Martin, <laughs> you stop laughing down there. You no, but the thing is, the kettle or? to upskill, you're forcing people to like. I know lads that did a foundation level course 30 years ago and never didn't do diddly squats since. Like training methods have changed. Yeah. Uh, drills have changed mm-hmm. methods of training have changed so the fact that you're forcing people to to upskill and to do a, a refresher is good because it might trigger oh well I'm after doing my refresher foundation maybe I'll go do my level one mm. and do my level two and continuous and continuous training and continuous education yeah. like it might be no harm to have like I suppose a, a train the trainer situation yeah. in every club and we 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 all have hurlers who have this and camogie players usher I hurl sure what do I need Mm. a qualification for like as far as I'm concerned every day is a learning day Mm. because like I I have to say like this year you know to get people involved and especially at underage level like you're looking at under sixes and eights you do need an awful lot of parents you know you do need an awful lot of volunteers um, to come down and help out because like if you have if you have 20 under sixes running around the place you'd nearly want 20 adults there the ratio is one adult to 10 children but like that's even 10 kids realistically for safeguarding purposes you need two adults for 10 children so there's no one person Mm. on their own with 10 children but 
you know, and I suppose like you think about it, every every person who got involved in any club teams this year, they obviously had to have their guard defect and they obviously mm. had their basic foundation level, their coaching course and, and all of that and their child protection. It was hard enough and I can only hold, I'll, just, I'll be honest with you, it was hard enough to get all of them to get the foundation courses done. Um, even, and that's not just talking from like under six level that's going right up to senior level. It was hard enough to get them to all to do their coaching yeah. courses. And I think when you're looking at it from, particularly from an underage point of view, when you're looking at it, that these are all voluntary jobs. And I know you're going to come at me with it, that these are all voluntary jobs. It's very hard to turn around and tell them in two years time, right now you need to go do this or now you need to go do this course and now you need to go this yeah, course. Yeah, but the thing is, all the associations need to get on board with the same message. Mm. At the minute, there's compliance in Camogie. So anyone that knows what I do, every club has to submit all of their coaches at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year with their safeguarding, their vetting and their foundation level or mm-hmm. whatever coaching level they have. And that that's submitted to Crow Park. Mm-hmm. That's not in the GA. It's not compulsory in the GA to do that. The onus is on every club to be sure that all of their people are legal. So I'm not sure what the rule in the LGF is, but they're talking about integration. So if they're going to go that route, everybody is on the same page. Everybody has the same rules. The rules are there, like the rules are in the law. So the law is there since 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's certainly debate. It's something that we could get into and maybe we should do later on in the year as well because we know that there's uh, other things that is happening uh, afoot as well in line with this. Yeah. Um, you know, and it would be great to get uh, some coaches' perspective on this and, you It'd know, past players. It'd be great to bring in maybe some of the development officers yep. and, and just see maybe their intake on it, you know. Well, that's a one for us now. We'll do a special debate we'll do a special on debate on it development squads and uh, all that kind of stuff um, but my thanks as always to the two women when they got back from the matches this evening they were busy in fairness out spying to see who was available for our team of the year by the way we're still putting out a big shout out there for anybody who can help us out for the team of the year we're not having much luck at the minute and we're actually feeling a bit dejected and deflated uh, about the whole scenario because we would really really like to do something special for our uh, club players so again if you can help at all at all in any uh, case uh, either by singly donating a uh, thousand euro or thereabouts towards the uh, the team of the year or indeed if you can think that you can go a bit better um, and become one of our main sponsors for us we'd certainly love to hear from you please do get involved with us the email as usual is comeonkind that's c-a-m-a-n-c-a-i-n-t all one word at kclr 96fm.com so please if you can at all we're putting out a huge shout out because you can see the work that's going on in your own communities with your clubs with your players and the whole lot and in the world of giving our females a bit more exposure and promotion in what they do and in the sport that they love we'd certainly love to be able to do it here in Kilkenny as well Anya and Lillian thank you very much for your assistance as always I know it's a bit of a rush trying to get matches and sorry results in and what's that? I'm sorry for delaying you Your grand sure you know it wouldn't be the first time that you're after doing it but you're look thanks nobody died we're all good we're still all friends um, are we? well that, that's debatable if we turn up next week sure we'll know whether we are or not I think we are but uh, yeah, I think it, we are too. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
it is a most enjoyable evening here as always my thank you to Sandra and Emily all the way across the Atlantic there in the USA for having a chat with me earlier on about the USGA finals uh, that per, or took part I should say over the last uh, little while um, and we wish them the very best of luck in their future endeavours as well and who knows we may have a come on kind versus USGA all-star event taking place at some stage if that be it happens it would be lovely and Sandra said it would be lovely as well Anyway, are they we, coming here or are we going there? Oh, wish we could do both. Like, I mean, we oh, could I go like one that. year and, you know, they could come another year. But um, look, we can dream big. We'll see if we can get the team of the year over this year first um, and uh, progress it from there and see how things are going. But from myself, Anya and Lillian here in the KCLR studios in KCLR, don't forget to download the podcast wherever you do your podcast listening from. It is available every Tuesday. Tune in to see Anya's predictions, how she's going to go this weekend. We are going to have the draw hopefully live next week for the knockout stages here with ourselves on Monday evening but from the four of us I was going to say the four of us there's only three of us here it feels like say, where did you see it four? feels like four of us here until next weekend it's goodbye from us all bye bye, bye. This is Come On Kind with Martin Quilty and Onya Fahey. Oh,